AIM is a podcast that connects women who are eager to grow in their relationship with God, living out the living word of God each day. First Sanisti, guys, it's Maria. Hey guys, it's Tina. And like before, we're continuing with our series on the IMs. Um, this is the fifth week already, wow, of Holy Fifties, uh, which is again from the Gospel of John. This time it's from John 14. So we'll be reading from John 14, uh, verses 1 to 11. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I love how reassuring the chapter is. And I love that once again, we see Thomas asking questions. Um, and it, it's not, it's not reprimanded at any point. Um, but I find, I find it very comforting. It relieves us of a lot of anxiety. I am the way, the truth and the life because he reveals himself to the disciples to be everything a- and to us, obviously. Um, he reveals himself to be Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and he shows himself as God who dwells and walks among men. So he's, he's telling them and showing them that there's no distance between them anymore, um, but there's like a beautiful union, a beautiful marriage, like the Samaritan woman as well. Like he didn't just tell her that the temple was going to be a uh, spirit and truth from now on, that, that he would, that he, they could, that there is no barrier anymore, but, but he shows her. Yeah. I, I, I heard this really beautiful thing that just said, like, he, he's really just telling the disciples here that sin is not like a reason anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's an annoying thing that bothers us on the way to the kingdom. That's I that yeah, it was a great sermon. I love that every time Thomas asks something, it's followed by a huge declaration. So here he asks and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like you said, he's revealing himself as the savior and the way to get to the savior and the ultimate goal of life. And of course, we saw in Thomas Sunday, like it, it, the second time he asked the question or he inquired, it was followed by my Lord and my God. So Jesus is always willing and accepting for us to just come and inquire. Like he's knocking at the door. He's willing for you to ask. Um, and whatever way we we need to, to fit our minds or to enter our hearts for us to approach Christ, he accepts. Um, in dialogue with the Savior in relation to like him being the way, he says there are as many roads which lead mm-hmm. to Jesus as there are men. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It is crazy, but it's it's so true. Like no two people are the same. 
and he's so omnipresent and so pentocratory that he can fit every single person. It also really resonated with me how gentle he was with their questions. Like they were so simple. Um, I feel like I mainly resonated with um, Philip because his question was, he was just asking, show us the father and it'll be good. Like that's sufficient for me. And I feel like I do that a lot in my life where I want like a specific response from God. And then I'll be like, if you do this, then I will ask anything else. Like that's good, for, good enough for me. But then he continues to tell him this revelation that's like much greater than what he can even comprehend. Um, and so in our life, it's the same concept where he's preparing something for us that we can't see or we can't understand. We're just, we have this tiny little perspective and we just want it to happen immediately. But he gently reminds us that he has something much greater. And that that plan that is much greater is already in action. Like it's already present because he's above time. Like St. John Chrysostom talks about how how can Jesus say, I, I go to prepare a place for you. But he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Like, you know, it's past and present. And he says, he kind of just tells them that I go to prepare a place for you so that we can understand him in our temporal mind or in our tem temporal comprehension. But this great plan of of us fitting in his father's kingdom is already prepared for us before the foundation of the world because he chose us before the foundation of the world. Um, yeah, same way in actually Gospel of Luke, when you read Zechariah's prophecy, I think chapter two, um, it says he has redeemed us. It speaks, he has redeemed and he, he has established and redeemed us, something like that. Um, but it speaks in the in the past tense, as, as though it already happened, even though Christ isn't even born yet. Very, very interesting. But I want to zoom in on each one a little bit more. Um, so he declared, actually, oh, before that, I wanted to make a comment. That's really interesting about what you said, Thomas. Every time Thomas asks a question, there's like a major revelation. Um, I never thought of that before, but it's also, it's also like a comforting, it's reassurance to be like, ask your questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean you don't have faith. In fact, yes, I think Maria, you said this in the last episode, uh, when we were talking on Thomas Sunday about how like God is very willing to answer your questions and he's not going to get mad at you for 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 asking them so like asking God in order to grow in your faith for that purpose um is very important this is just like something that popped into my head now because Maria you made that point and I never thought of it before um and he won't be upset about it Thomas asked to see and Christ appeared and told him to touch because Christ is in the business of gaining souls. So if you're asking to see faithfully, he will gladly and very willingly show you. Yeah, totally. Because a question implies a dialogue. So as long as you're dialoguing with him. That's a good point. Okay, so each one. <laughs> I am yeah. the way, the truth, and the life. So I am the way. St. Augustine has a beautiful quote that says, He is the home to which we are going, and he is the way that will take us there. May we go to him and through him. Therefore, we shall not get lost. Amen. Wow. Yeah. It also made me think of like you have taught us the ways of salvation. The way we Yes, I love that part in liturgy. Um, because it's plural. Like everyone walks their own their own road, their own prescribed way to to Christ. Right, exactly. And but he is the all encompassing road. Way. Yeah. yeah. Way. Yeah. He's he's the road or the path that's 
that's set before us. And and the sermon that I was listening to brought up a very good point of like when you're driving, the the path that you're driving on is paved and it's been walked on and you're driving with the reassurance that those who have driven on that paved road before you have made it to their destination. The road doesn't just suddenly cut off and end and you fall off the edge of the, the earth. Like that doesn't happen. So there is a way to follow. There is a truth to 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 follow. Um, they all kind of connect and overlap. Because nowadays we're told to be unique and to set our own standards, to make our own path in life, mm-hmm. um, to find back roads or hack the system. Um, but the greatest sin to begin with was that they looked for a shortcut. And every religion out here is telling you like, the moment you crack the code of of the way to find God or to reach God, then you'll be good. So it's whatever through your actions, through meditation, through whatever. But like he's saying, the way is set. I am the way. He emphasizes that he is the truth in a world where there is relative truths and everyone is saying like, you have your truth, I have my truth. And we could be both right. He's clearly saying that that's not the case. There is one truth and that is he. You know what the, the world is really good at doing? I just watched this kind of on another note, but I just watched a documentary, health and wellness documentary. It really messed with my head. Anyways, one of the points that they brought up that I think is very valid um, is they were talking, it was about, <laughs> so random, it was about the food industry, okay? And one of the things that they were saying was in order for the food industry to grow, obviously they have to advertise and they have to market. So if we want to believe, for example, that like eggs are really healthy, we just have to like market it really well in order for the masses to start thinking that like eggs are very healthy. I'm not making any claims about eggs. This is just a random example that I'm giving. But he was saying one of the tactics that they love to use, especially in regards to to health and wellness and and food and that whole part of life is all they have to do is successfully foster doubt and I was like that is so true so he's like we're gonna have one marketing campaign that tells you that eggs are super healthy for you and we're gonna make you believe that and then we're gonna come out with a scientific study that actually proves that health causes cancer and then you find yourself left throwing your hands in the air being like well what am I supposed to eat okay I'll just eat whatever and that's how they get you. So they don't even have to go so far as to convince you of one thing or another. They just have to sow doubt. So the purpose of this world is to confuse us. But he is truth. There is no confusion. In fact, I think, um, I, I don't remember which saint said this, but it says the trial of faith causes your faith to be polarized. So the whole purpose behind suffering in a sense to behind sacrifice behind fasting behind the cross that you carry in life on the way is to force you to to pick a side not just to to live in this doubt to live in this darkness i like to think of it as like there are people who live in darkness but are looking for the light and then there are people who live in darkness and close their eyes like they're sowing more darkness when they could be doing something to find the light. Very interesting. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. He's He gives us such a 100% assurance. 
which like you said is completely different from the rest of the world i loved the number of times he repeated believe in this passage alone it's 11 verses and he says believe six times it's believe in god believe also in me believe that i believe me believe me believe in me and it's just so beautiful like he imagine someone's telling you the exact same thing six times in the span of a minute like he's trying to make a point and it's just believe in him because he gave us ground to believe in him like he gave us enough reason and evidence in the in his past like in the whole economy of salvation and in your personal past to know that he is trustworthy he is faithful and then he says i am the life to me life communicates something that's a dynamic and active thing if i embrace the truth he will dwell in me and he is active and dynamic i won't just be like this walking robot with like a beating heart that doesn't that doesn't that's not life but life is to be lived out it's the typical example that we always hear of like if we lived if someone were to watch us as though it was a silent movie would they know by your actions um would they be able to tell that you're a christian um because people need to see activity it's a dynamic act of faith so it requires action um to dynamically displayed like and christ did right he didn't just come and and sit on a throne and claim who he was he said if you don't believe me like believe my works yeah i love that yeah you're right it's the dynamic part is so true um in uh dialogue with the savior again he he says that like when martha believes that her brother will rise again he says i am the resurrection he says there's two statements here. The resurrection is not a purely eschatological reality, although it is. It is a statement of the end of time that he will ri- he will raise us up with him. But then also that the like resurrection has already started. He says it's right there, now. Yeah, it's a reality already given. It already exists. It's the savior himself who from now is the cause and the power of the resurrection of the dead, not by imagination or memory, but by union with Jesus Christ we join at this very moment those whom we have loved and who have left this world. And I want to rant for a second about something that, I, like, I, I used to do this often as well. Um, the, like, quote-unquote monastic effect of just wanting to live inside my room, mm. complete silence, and not be bothered by anyone. Or, like, I used to do this so much of, like, walk out of communion and be like, okay, I'm ready to die now because I thought that was okay. Um, that's not life. He is life. And how did he life? He was Emmanuel. He dwelled with people. He was amongst others. He was showing good works. He was befriending people. He was contending with people over what truth is. He wasn't a statue. He was alive um, because we know that God's not dead. I don't know if you guys have heard the story of of the monk that was living in the world and um, was, or he was living in the monastery and he was really annoyed by the people. So he said, I'm just going to go out and live on my own. And so he went really, really far from the monastery and he lived on his own for the first few days. It was fine. And then there was a bee and that bee would not leave him alone. And it killed him like he was he hated that bee and the buzzing of it completely disturbed his peace. And so he realized that it wasn't the people that was the problem. It was it was him. He needed to learn how to how to life properly, how to life with in truth. And so he went back to the monastery and he dwelt among his brothers and he learned from them. And then he was content and happy. There seems to be an inherent joy to this message of I'm the way, the truth, and the life, of of being life, to see the world outside the mundane, uh, worldly view. 
that that we that I that I I mean live in very often. It's it's very Kairos. It's very like see the world in God's eyes. See that creation is alive. Like the perspective that we see things through Christ's eyes. It's very refreshing. Seeing our dynamic faith kind of just play out and being pr- being proponents of that joy. Yeah. If you continue reading the rest of the chapter, it, it's so reassuring because it just shows how much Jesus and God, like just God is willing to be present with you. Um, he says, verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Um, and then in 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A lot of times, personally, especially during spiritual warfare, I feel like I'm alone, that I don't have anyone and that God has abandoned me, especially in those periods where grace is lifted a little bit. You know, God just wants to test or he wants to see. And um, this this verse, it, like, it, it's so reassuring because he literally says, I will not leave you orphans. Like, that is so beautiful. He, and you know the you know the word orphans was actually used on purpose because in order for you like orphans is a, is a very legal term um to be used meaning that you need an advocate to come and claim you and so that's essentially what he's saying by saying I won't leave you orphans he will literally be our advocate to come to claim us that has an even better meaning now that you explain it wow one time just recently actually uh, my father of confession said this, and it stuck. In the parable of the talents, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant, not well said. <laughs> and I loved it. It was so short and succinct, but I was like, that is so true. I never thought of that. And he he was just saying, you know, your actions speak louder than your words, and, and the world doesn't need more words, just needs people to do good things so that he can tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. That's In so fact, wise. The 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 first line I'm reading Father Loisideros's memoirs, the very first line, the very first line like preface pa- go past like the author's introduction or whatever, says Father Luke lived Christ. <laughs> I I read that at least three times. <laughs> Father Luke lived Christ was the first line of that memoir, and then it was almost like it was almost like the introduction and the conclusion, right there. And then the rest of the chapters, the rest of the rest of the book, because that was the first line, um, was just living out that line. It was just the all the examples to prove that one line. That's amazing. And it goes back to your point of living in the world. Mm-hmm. And and how you tr- really I mean, we see this with Pope Carlos as well. There is no like conducive world. Mm. There is no world that's going to be conducive for us to live the truth. And to live the life and to walk the way, um, I, I give myself that excuse way too often. Um, but they they really flourished in the way, living the truth, and and dynamically living out that life in like the least conducive yeah. environments. And he yeah. promised to give us the peace, like he says, verse twenty seven: "Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, do I give unto you." So he's promising. That despite the noise and the distractions and the warfare, that he will grant us that peace. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who's the the quote by of like there are people who live in the world who are 
like in solitude of their own hearts, but there is solitaries and like oh, Emma Sinclitica, yes, Emma Sinclitica. I love that. Uh, I I have it with me somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. There are people you can live. You can live in the city, mm -hmm. but be a solitude in your mind, and you can live in the desert, but yeah, be in the crowd of your own thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is possible to be a solitary in one's mind while living in a crowd, and it is possible for one who is a solitary to live in the crowd of his own thoughts. Yeah, I love that he just gives us such reassurance. Abuna no, Tedros Malati in his commentary talks about how anxiety is the result of fear of the unknown um, or expectation of a great loss, but that both of these can't apply when you're in Christ because there's no uncertainty in Christ because he gave you all the certainty and there's no expectation of great loss that would affect your soul body or possessions because he is your life and he's all of your possessions the parable actually ends with well done enter into the joy of your master which is the destination that we walk the way to which is also eucharist it's like that eternal banquet that we're journeying towards that we are in that we have partook in like it's all of it's the past it's the present it's the future um and there is a command that we receive when we take when we take in this life-giving food every Sunday of go in peace. Do something with what you have just received. Be proponents of what you've just received. Be examples of the way, the truth, the life. Be the people of the way, which was what the first Christians were called. Um, were people of the way because there were there were two types of Jews. There were the Jews, and then there were the Jews that believed in the resurrection. So when they'd ask you who you were, and you'd say Jewish. They wouldn't know which one you were talking about. So they decided to call them just people of the way. Um, a saint said to be nourished by Jesus and the Eucharist implies that we have to become nourishment for others. So it's really, um, it's really about being proponents of that very thing that you've received. Elder Paisius says one cannot distribute himself without being broken. And, and I know that in the liturgy series that I talk about very often, we always say that during um, the institution narrative, when we are, when, when Abuna's blessing and, or when Christ is being blessed, broken, we are also that very thing. We're praying to God, asking him to bless us, to break us, to offer us. Yeah, to be that very thing that we're taking in. That's everything I've got. Um, I could end off with a beautiful quote from St. Augustine. Mm -hmm. um, he says, like, the way is basically just to love God. And he's already given that to us when... So St. Augustine says, the way is just to have this yearning love for God. And even the love is provided for us. Um, in Romans, when he says, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So he says, yearning for the love is the means to attain that mansion. May we have the desire to believe in that place in order to attain the spot prepared for us. He said, he's praying to Jesus now and he says, you are preparing a place for us so that you can receive us while we are also getting ready. Sorry, I'm butchering this quote. You are preparing us to receive you while you are also getting yourself ready for us. As much as you are preparing a place in us for you, you are also preparing a place in you for us. Accordingly, you have said, abide in me and I in you, just as each one has fellowship in you, some to a lesser, others to a greater degree, so also will the various rewards be each according to his different entitlement. Lovely. Thank you.
Tina, would you like to pray for us? Sure. Um, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, Lord, for always giving us reassurance, especially during this time. Um, I have personally felt that the devil is at his mighty, he, he fights the most during the 50 days because they're supposed to be joyous. They're supposed to be about you and about the resurrection, about our salvation. So thank you for showing us that and telling us that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Please allow us to continue to live that truth and to remember your promises and your comfort so that we may continue to live joyously in this world and be able to be advocates for you through the intercessions of St. Mary, Mary Magdalene, and all your wonderful saints. Hear us when we pray, thankfully saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Whether you'd like more information on resources used in this episode, want to suggest a topic, or leave your feedback, please visit our website, emisher.com. And even if you just want to talk, feel free to reach out to one of your Eames sisters. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages.